Hello, Saltines. Hello. Um, it is another stormy night here in yes. um, rain. Wherever we're at, I can't remember. Um, but it's 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 been a day. Um, we had some really cool guests scheduled, but there was a little bit of a time confusion. So that's all right. We're here. We have a lot of listener questions that we're going to do our best to answer for you. Um, so for those of you who've sent in listener questions that we didn't get to last week because the episode last week was with Jack that was so much. Fun. It was so fun, and, and we have we've had a lot of like feedback from saltines who were like oh, I love this episode really so, awesome. yeah so jack so if you're when you when you listen to this um you have new fans and uh people thought that you were really neat and they actually really a lot of them were specific about commenting on how much they appreciated his honesty with a lot of the christianity and, oh, the, and the, that's good. the trauma of coming out of coming some of that religion that's good so yeah so um so he was concerned because he made the comment like i'm gonna make some enemies and i was like i don't think you did i think you made some new friends yay um, new friends okay so um we're gonna start with some questions um i'm just gonna get straight into it and we're just straight. gonna go i'm gonna move forward into it so our first question is about divination uh, hello, saltiest witches. I had a question on divination that I thought would be prudent to ask for all the saltines to hear when it comes to divination. You teach us that when doing any type of work for ourselves or others to divine, divine, divine. So when we do divination, is it acceptable to possibly utilize a simple method of divination? For example, I have a wonderful coin that has yes written on one side and no written on the other. I have used it in the past for quick answers to questions I may have about a particular situation or uh, if I should proceed in one direction or the other. Would utilizing that method or any method we may have that gives simple yes or no answers be wise in asking our spirits if we should proceed with a spell? Or should we cons consult a more in-depth, quote unquote, type of method like doing a tarot spread or throwing stones, etc.? When doing this type of consultation with our spirits beforehand, could it be both depending on the situation, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera? Um, so I'm going to say... Uh, yes, simple simple methods are really great. Um, I and again, it, uh, this saltine um, even stated that there could be arguments for both, and I'm going to agree. Um, it's going to depend on the situation. If you're just trying to get a simple yes or no, like should should I do this spell? Sure. Now, if you're a professional witch and you're working with consults and clients and stuff like that, you probably want to do something that's a little bit more in depth, just so you can get a bigger picture on what's going on and how you can best effectively handle it. So really, that, that's about it. I would not suggest using a, a pendulum. I'm not a big pendulum person, um, but you know, if a pendulum is your fan and you're a fan of the pendulum, there you go. How about you, Mike? I would add that um, I think that a simple method of divination like this is good. It's kind of cool they say that because I actually have a, a coin just like this sitting next to my my bedside or on my bedside table. And I love that thing. And I sit and I fiddle with it. But I'll be honest, I've never actually used it for its its actual purpose. Um, but I would. Um, so I, I'm going to say, yeah, I think simple divination is great. Um, I think the only challenge with working with something that only provides you with yes and no kinds of information is that it's going to make it difficult for you to get those extra pieces that you might want um those extra bits of information you mm -hmm. might want to be you know as you're actually looking at putting together a spell yeah right and that that's kind of the benefit of some of some more broader systems yeah yeah you know like if it's as simple as like do i need to do an uncrossing sure 
you know, um, and you don't even need a coin that says yes or no. You can just take a normal coin, designate one side as yes, one side as no, um, and go for there. You can just say tells is yes, heads is no. Yep. Boom. You know, um, so that was actually a really quick and easy question. I have a few more. I was I was ready to like to pontificate on that a bit more, but that's okay. Let's keep going. Okay. So um, this listener question comes from I'm not going to say names tonight. Okay. So hey guys. Uh, I'm a huge fan of your podcast. I was wondering if you could talk about spiritual psychosis. I'm a skeptical person, which I sometimes think is healthy in the craft, but I feel like my skepticism sometimes blocks signs or messages I may be receiving. I'm afraid of becoming delusional. Also, I just wanted to say that your podcast helped me a lot as I don't have anyone to talk to about my craft. I live in Texas, vomit emoji, and I am surrounded by Christians. Please send help cry face. Um, there's actually some really cool spiritual places and like witchy things in Texas. If you I know, mean, where yeah, depending Texas, on where you, yeah. yeah. Um, but we're we, sorry about the Christians. Yeah. Um, you know, one thing that I've actually found works really well on Christians, um, holy water. Oh like, my God. Splash it. And like they start to sizzle and burn and they run away screaming. True. You could also throw some Florida water. Wait, sorry. <laughs> That's demons. <laughs> same thing. They're the same thing. Um, so, um, I did respond to this listener saying that we have done an episode on spiritual psychos- uh, psychosis before, but we can touch on it a little bit here. Um, I'm going to go ahead and let Mike kind of handle this one because I get very, I get very inflamed when it comes to anything about psychosis. Inflamed? It, yes. Do I need to get your little donut? You know, you seem like you're okay. All right. Um, I want to talk about the. I'll I'll address this the spiritual psychosis piece, but first I want to talk about skepticism because I think that's really kind of the issue here. Yes. Um, we we skepticism is always a good thing. Skepticism is always a healthy response to spirit, and that's one of the reasons why, as we teach people, often as well, we teach people as they are developing, as they're learning, as they're even in in practice, you know, um, to document their experiences when you have something spiritual occur, um, to document that moment. Because what that does is in the moment, I think most of us, like, I do this. I mean, and I've, I've been at this shit for years and years, and I have seen things that that I, I there is no doubt in my mind that the shit that we talk about on this podcast is absolutely real. If, if there were, I wouldn't be talking about it because I have more important shit to do. But um, so I'm a believer. But I, I also have moments regularly where something will happen and I'll be like, well, it could be this or Maybe I just left the window open and a breeze blew in and it blew out my candles on my altar, you know, or, you know, I mean, it could be anything. right? So I have those moments, you know, um, and so in those situations, what I do is I try to make like, like make a memory of that or I try to document that experience or what happened somewhere so that I can go back to it later. You know, I can revisit it, you know, perhaps as I maybe have done some sort of additional work. And I have a, a means at that point to be able to maybe to get confirmation or validation of some sense or in some sense. So that's that's one of the benefits and one of the reasons why Austin and I are always like document your shit, document your experiences. Um, the spiritual psychosis bit is is a tricky one because if you have, I'm not saying you personally, but just anybody, if anybody, if you you are suffering under a, a state of what we would consider spiritual psychosis, um, you're not going to know. You're not going to know. That, that's the tricky thing with people who are in states of psychosis is they don't most of the time realize that they're in the state they're, they're they don't realize they're they're psychotic um you know that's that's the difference between people who are legitimately mentally ill and i mean and i should say seriously like delusionally mentally ill and people who you know like to run around going i'm so crazy it's like people who run around saying they're so crazy they 
they know they're full of shit and they know they're not really crazy. People who are seriously crazy usually have no idea. Um, so I think you're okay where spiritual psychosis is concerned. And I guess the point that you need to, to really be, be worried about with something like that is when you're getting to a point that you're unable to really connect or adjust to any kind of reality at all. Right. If you're at a point right now where I don't need to pay my bills because the spirits will manifest money for me. Right. And they might. Right. Who knows? Right. Um, you know, I don't need to worry about feeding my children because, um, you know, my guardian angels will bring them all the food that they need. You know, I don't need to worry about showing up on time for my job and meeting any of my other responsibilities because, hey, it's all just synchronicities and high vibes. Right. And I, so when you completely check out of reality as it would relate to your day to day life, that's typically when you're falling into the realm of some pretty nasty spiritual psychosis. Um, you know, that doesn't mean you won't still have some odd ideas or put your belief in some weird things, but odd ideas and weird beliefs are kind of part of what we do spiritually. As long as they're not harming you or negatively impacting your life in some manner, you're usually okay. You know, um, I think the spiritual psychosis thing has become a very trendy kind of thing for people to talk about. And we have talked about it on the podcast and we talk mm -hmm. about it in our classes and things as well, because it's, it's a real thing. It's a legit, it's a, it's a thing. Mm -hmm. Austin and I could tell you horror stories about what we have seen and heard from people over the years who have found themselves in a, in a truly in a state of spiritual psychosis and the damage that they have inflicted upon themselves, their lives, everybody close to them, you know, and the uh, kind of the spiral that they're in, because when you're in a state like that, it can be so hard to pull yourself back out. Um, the important thing I always like to try to talk about when we're looking at spiritual psychosis and really where you look at the concern, okay, or where you need to be concerned is spiritual psychosis is a trendy thing, but psychosis, take out the spiritual, right? The psychosis, that's really usually the issue. Mm -hmm. And if you're someone who's going to get to a state of really serious, spiritual psychosis it's likely that if you removed all the spiritual stuff you would probably still just have some serious problems with mental health yeah right so um so that's the thing to be mindful of yeah spiritual psychosis is basically no just, pun intended um spiritual psychosis is basically psych psychosis that centers around spiritual beliefs and ideologies and things like that it's it's the person who is it's the person who decided that they were going to go and spend all of their life savings on a plot of land because oh you're gonna go there huh okay because hecate told them to and well, it wasn't hecate that told this person to do that but oh i don't even know who i'm talking oh really oh okay god no. as you were sharing those details i was like <laughs> Oh, you shady bitch. This was actually a person that came into the shop. It's been a couple of years ago now. They, they came in regularly and met with someone that was at one point working in our shop, but we discovered was not only a charlatan, but a sexual predator. And so we immediately fired him. I don't know who this person is. She came in like every Saturday for like a couple of years. And all he did is like feed her psychosis. Oh, uh oh. Did she get a plot of land? Um, that, that is my understanding. Um, and her whole purpose in doing that was that she was going to build some sort of community center slash ark because she was a prophet of the Lord. 
Oh, yes. And in direct communication with Odin, the Allfather. Yes, yes. She Hecate. Thor and Hecate. And Thor. And the Archangel Gabriel. And Metatron. And Metatron. And yeah, like th- this woman was totally off the edge. And it's kind of funny because I think she came. We we know through conversation with her because she made it clear a couple of times that, that serious diagnosable mental illness ran in her family. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, she seemed to think that she had somehow like got, she'd been the lucky one. Like it had skipped her, right? Everybody else in my family has like schizophrenia and they have all these serious mental health issues. And, but not me. You know, but not me. So it's my job to make sure that I take care of all of them and save the world. Um, That's spiritual psychosis. I feel like I'm being bitchy. That's okay. Anyway, back to our point. Um, your point so making. don't don't get too worried about spiritual psychosis. The, the easiest way to make sure that spiritual psychosis doesn't happen is to keep your mental health in check. That's the easiest way to do it. Keep your mental health in check. Make sure you're seeing your therapist. If you can, if, if you can see one, I understand that therapy is very much a privilege in our society. I get that. Um, but making sure you're keeping, just do what I do. God, I, I don't see a therapist. I just get drunk every night. That's called addiction. I'm fine. Huh? That's called addiction. Well, okay. Well, you can have mentally ill Mike, or you could have alcoholic Mike. But you're still mentally ill because that's a thing. I'm gonna like, I'm gonna like probably drop a like a. I'm gonna probably say something now that's gonna be very inflammatory, and don't get me wrong. I am someone who has a background in behavior science. Okay, like I'm educated. Okay, but. I have always struggled with the idea that alcoholism is a mental illness. I don't think it is. I think that's bullshit. I feel the same way about drug addiction, to be honest. I think it's bullshit. Because the alcoholism itself, this is where I'm going to clarify and hopefully save myself, save myself in the eyes of our saltines. The alcoholism, the drug use, the sex addiction, whatever it may be right? Whatever, whatever the addiction may be, right? That pattern of behavior is a symptom of the deeper issue. Alcoholism is not a mental illness. It is a symptom of Uh, a mental illness. Yes. And when you are treating alcoholism, this is why 12 step programs like AA are bullshit. Okay. And I'm trying, I know that they work for a lot of people. Okay. But programs like AA don't ever really cure someone, right? They give you means of coping. Right? Mm-hmm. They give you tools to use to avoid the, the pattern of addiction, right? Okay, But programs like that don't fucking work for a good majority of people because they don't ever really give you a cure because they don't take you deep enough to the point where you're actually addressing the mental illness. It's all surface shit. Okay. So I'm going to say, sorry, if anybody's opinions have changed on me or about me, I, 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 I will accept this and we can move on. And, uh, Go our separate ways. At anyway, least, so Mike, I'm not an alcoholic. Anyway, so um, so yeah, just keep your mental health in check. And um, you know, if you start to feel yourself getting overwhelmed or you can sense a spiral is happening, it's okay to take a state a step back from your practice and actually allow yourself to just kind of like root yourself in reality for a minute. That's that's completely fine. Next question. Oh, I have a couple as well. Okay. Do, you, do you want to alternate or do you want to just get through yours and then we'll move to mine? Keep going. All right. So this comes from someone who actually 
Um, oh, never mind. We already answered that one. They just responded to that. Okay, moving forward. All right. I'm a saltine from Arizona, and I still have a few light worker inspired beliefs that I would like to have clarified a bit more if possible. First, are certain things more likely to occur in one's life simply because of a strong belief that they will occur? For example, if I have a strong belief that I am a lucky person and simply accept this belief to be true without performing any luck magic, would I then automatically become a more lucky person? Otherwise, will I have inadvertently attracted energies of good luck by having this strong belief? Would you clarify a bit more on what a thought form is? Oh, God. Can we do these one at a time? Yes, we can. Okay. Okay. So go back to the first one. Okay. Basically, they're talking about the secret. Uh, uh, As in the book? Yeah. Oh, so, okay. So it's like the law of attraction. Yeah. If I believe it hard enough, it will happen and it will be attractive. I hate myself right now because there's a term for this, a psychological term, a sociological term. Um that I just totally skipped my mind. I'm over here on Google trying like, what is that called? Uh, confirmation bias. Hold on one sec. Let me make sure. Is that the right one? Hold on one second. Um. Well, okay. It's not quite, con- Never mind. We'll go. It's not confirmation bias. That's okay. Basically in answering this, I'm going to say, you're more likely to see things happening in your life as a, uh, because, uh, well, ugh, sorry. Ugh, let me start over. If you put your faith and your belief and you put a lot of your action into this thought process or this idea, like this is what will happen, this is what will be, this is what I can expect, this is what blah 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 blah, blah right? You're going to, you are more likely, to, I think, to see some of those things occur. The problem there, though, and where we need to be kind of realistic about that is that that doesn't necessarily mean that those things are always occurring in the way that you envisioned that they would. You know, it's kind of like we tend to notice the things that we're the most aware of, right? And so if you, you know, leave your house, you know, and you, you know, you get into your little red car on your way to work in the morning because you're driving a little red car and because there's some component of you, some part of you that identifies and connects with that, having a little red car, you're going to be more likely to notice probably other little red cars on the freeway. Like that, that's a psychological thing that we all do. So it's one of these things where it's like, I think if you're anticipating it a lot, when something starts to happen that could be similar to that thing, you're going to be like, oh, this is it, right? Because you were already kind of looking out for it, right? Um, having said that, I'm going to say I don't believe that just law of attraction kind of philosophy, just like hoping, praying, believing it's going to happen. I don't honestly believe that that is enough on average to really make something occur. You know, you've got to put action behind your desire and your and your intent Mm -hmm. you know so it means you need to get up off your butt you know if you want to win the lottery you can't just sit and just oh i want to win all that money yeah i'm gonna get all that money and i'm gonna have my boo job and i'm gonna like get my face done i'm gonna look like beyonce oh that probably can't do that that's that's racist i'm gonna look like uh ryan gosling ew Wait, Beardy Ryan? Yeah, duh. Oh, well, okay. Well, you saved it because the only good Ryan is Beardy Ryan or Seth Rogen. Um, let's not talk about Seth. I would, or the one guy from Stranger Things, I, I Hopper. Would, I would do everything to Seth Rogen. David, what's his name? Yeah. David Harbor. 
Yeah, we need to. Oh my goodness. We may have to turn this camera off if we keep talking about this shit. Oof, I can't control myself. <laughs> uh, anyway, so um, where was I? Uh, so anyway, you got you've got to put action behind your work. You mm -hmm. know, if, if you want to get up and you're like, you're like, I I, I want to win the lottery, you still need to go buy a lottery ticket. Mm -hmm. You know, like you, you gotta put action behind these things. And I think that's the problem that I have with a lot of that kind of that light worker law of attraction kind of nonsense is it's like very much something like, if I just make my vision board and I sit and I focus on it every day, I've had these conversations with people. Okay. I've um, had someone who actually wants to do a vision board class. Oh God. Who is it? I don't know. I don't oh. know their name. Oh, they just come into the shop on a well, don't be wrong. I mean, like I, I've done vision. I, vision boards are amazing. I love vision boards, but I usually tip, I typically associate or I incorporate vision boards into creative processes mm -hmm. where I want to have like, like an actual visual to continue to refer to while I'm doing the work, you know, it's kind of like my model, like the model for your painting, mm -hmm. right? Kind of is the idea. So don't get me wrong. Vision boards are amazing things, you know, and they can be very inspiring and very pretty, but you know, but if you're not actively doing anything toward whatever you've got on your board, it doesn't matter how much faith or belief you put into that shit. Right. I mean, think about, I, if you think about the belief behind that, I mean, really, if if you can make miracles happen just through prayer, just go back to church, right? Mm -hmm. Kind of the idea. Yeah. Because we see how well that works for the Christians. Um, I, I'm going to say that part of magic is putting yourself in the mindset of a working when you're doing a working that it has already happened. It is already done. And so when we talk with a lot of people about manifestation and blah, 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 blah. Witches have been doing that longer than Doreen Virtue, uh, Doreen, Doreen Virtue, Doreen Virtue had angel cards. It's It's been around much, much longer. A whole concept of magic, if you're doing an incantation, it is not, this will happen. It is, it's happened. Like it's, it's already doing its thing. You put yourself in an affirmative and present mindset to actually assert that. And, well, and then you do shit. And then you do things like in the physical real world. Exactly. You know, um, you can't just hope and pray, you know, you know, using your, your example of luck. Yes, you can do affirmations and I'm a lucky person. Okay. But luck is neither good nor bad. Luck just is. So you want like to magnetism. Yeah. So you want to make sure that when you're doing something like that, you adjust it to be more specific and that's the problem that a lot of people get is they get either too specific or not specific enough there's a very gray area there where you want to you want to get you, you need to give spirit and magic a, enough room to actually wiggle and move um so mindset is important but it is not the only thing that matters this goes back to again intention isn't everything you can you can sit and say i will bake a cake today and until you bake that fucking cake, the cake is not getting baked. So to be be maybe more constructive in an answer to that, because I do feel that this person was they were they were you know being earnest. Yeah, they're answering, genuine answering this. You know, um, you know. So I, I think maybe a, another a, a, a better example, a less snarky example, would probably be like, okay, I'm I want I want a job, right? I mm -hmm. want to get a job. I need a new job. I want to afford to start a new career path. You know, and I've done what I need to do behind all of that desire to like cultivate the skill set that I need to be able to maybe get a certification or two that I might need to really be able to fit into that career, that, you know, that, that, that industry, right. Whatever that looks like. Right. And then I create a vision board around like, okay, this is, 
this is what I'm going to make happen. Like, this is my process. These are the things that represent my process, not only what I've earned, but what I'm currently actively doing and working, you know, and I'm going to get up in the morning and I'm going to take a few minutes in a kind of a meditative state and be affirmative as I kind of focus on like, okay, these are my next steps. This is kind of what I've envisioned. And then I'm going to put on my tie and my jacket and I'm going to go to my interview for the job that I actually applied for to be able to do this, right? Because you have to make room. We have to make room in our lives for the miracles that we want. Yes. Right. And the only way that we can do that is with mundane effort. Okay. So, and the whole time I'm going so that I'm still kind of working with that energy around like, like law of attraction, this kind of thing, I'm still going through the, the, the mundane action of going to the interview and putting a smile on my face, which is really hard for me to do. I don't smile. Um, and, you know, and, and being a good person and showing up and trying to interview well, right? And the whole time I'm there while I'm answering those questions, I'm driving the interview, whatever it is, right? That whole process in my brain, I'm still holding the focus and the connection to my spirit board my, or my vision board, right? And the next steps. And I know the good things that I'm unlocking, the steps I'm taking, these will be things I know. I know I'm going to go in and this will be this will be the interview that will get me that job. This will be the doorway into that new career path, right? That's how laws of attraction need to work hand in hand with mundane effort. Yes. Now, would you clarify a bit more on what a thought form is? Is it the same thing as a servitor? A servitor is kind of a thought form. Um, yeah. But also a servitor is an extension of the magical practitioner themselves. Yeah, but a thought form would be. A thought form can be as well. There is overlap there. There's gray yeah. area. I think it's kind of like there's like. Well, why don't you answer and then I'll answer. So, so think of thought forms like this. You have witchcraft, right? And witchcraft. That umbrella of witchcraft has different traditions, different paths, different things. So then you have, um, you have a thought form, okay? Um, and a thought form kind of falls into the realm of an egregore, right? Um, and these are all things that are created by energy. What? I'm so sorry. You said it in an umbrella of witchcraft. And now I can't get Mary Poppins out of my head. Like, oh my God. Mary Poppins has an umbrella of witchcraft. Yes. And I've told it. I want her umbrella of witchcraft. Um, so, so the thought form is just another term that is used for that it is something um it is an energetic construct that usually one person or more have put a lot of belief into and energy into and it's kind of created this thing um the difference between a thought form and egregore and a servitor a servitor is in service you craft it you create it it has a job that's it okay a thought form um, is usually something more along the lines of an egregore where it is bigger than just one person or bigger than one thing. So like the thought form of, oh God, I don't know. A th the, the thought form of the reptilians running the world or some shit like that. I don't fucking know. Um, like that energy is out there and it's kind of being created and spun and pushed and energized by a group I of people. I to go there. I don't know. No, I know. I, I think, no. well, okay. That's fair. I mean, you look at like, okay, to, to pull, to kind of maybe, maybe pull that back a little bit. 
or maybe to, to kind of broaden that maybe would be a better way to put it. Like you see communities like, like the conspiracy group QAnon, mm-hmm. right? Which I cannot believe I'm talking about because people are fucking insane and just generally awful people. Um, but anyway, so you've got this group QAnon, right? And the stuff that they put out there, you know, these conspiracy theories mm-hmm. about like, God, I can't remember all the details now, like uh, Democrats running pizza parlors and using pizza parlors as part of some sort of human trafficking situation where they're taking some sort of chemical out of children and using it to prolong their lives. You know, I mean, or how how the world is apparently run by satanic cabals. And yet for some reason, for some reason, uh, religion still is such a dominant power in the world. Like, like what? You know, anyway. Um, so, but that, those ideas, those conspiracies that they put out there, those are thought forms Mm -hmm. because one person, one crazy person in their trailer in the middle of Nevada thinks that shit up. They put that in a 4chan group, right? Are they still using 4chan? QAnon people, are you still using 4chan? Are you still, I know the Proud Boys and all the other white supremacists and fascists like to use 4chan, but I'm not sure about you QAnon folks. Anyway, maybe you guys have found something else. Oh! What's Trump's Facebook site? I bet they're all on Trump's Facebook site now. Was it Truth Social? I have no idea. Truth Social. Yeah. Anyway, so so the bullshit that they put out there is that's a thought form. Yes. Because it's not really something that is meant to have like a physical means of serving the person who comes yeah. up with the conspiracy, right? It's all about maybe, uh, maybe a, a psychological problem that mm-hmm. we know they definitely have if they're part of QAnon. Um, but it's also more about, I think, like um, of a personal agenda, mm-hmm. right? So it's not quite servitory in the sense that it's not an, enacting physical change within their immediate environment, mm-hmm. right? So, but it is moving out there. Yeah. And that thought form, if there are other crazy QAnon people out there, they will hear that and they will go, oh, that's my truth now too. Yeah. You know, and then pretty soon that thought form has infected multiple people. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, where you get to a point where a thought form kind of evolves from or kind of into an egregore. Yes. Right. Yes. And then an egregore is usually uh, bigger and has its own kind of agenda and ways of doing things. You, you need a lot of faith and belief to, to make an egregore. Yeah. Like a really prime example. Cthulhu. Cthulhu is a having coffee with Cthulhu tomorrow, actually. Go on. How is Teenix Cthulhu? Who's Teenix? Anyway, so um, it's top confusing me. Um, so, so the thought form happens, and then what happens is the egregore basically takes on a, a life of its own. So there are individuals out there, magical and occult practitioners, who have done like evocations of Cthulhu and stuff and have seen a result um, because that egregore that they have evoked and pulled in is powered by multiple people. Okay. So there's that. And then there's more. Yes. Um, does spirit ever du- direct our attention to certain numbers in an attempt to communicate? Does spirit ever direct our attention in general? Yes. Uh, first to the numbers. Yes, for sure. Uh, because numbers will still hold significance to spirits, but those significances have nothing to do with angel numbers. This whole trendy thing that has come up in the last like 30 ish years or so about angel numbers is all bullshit 
before they were angel numbers, they were all basically just systems of calculation and numbers of significance that relate to particular numerological systems. It's all just numerology. Okay, but numerology and mathematics and numbers as a component of the language of math absolutely have universal spiritual value. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so spirits will connect to those things for different reasons. Uh, they also will connect to those things uh, if they're human spirits in particular, because there are very personal reasons for that, right? Like if you had, you know, great aunt, whoever, right? And you guys had, because of some family story, some sort of personal, whatever, right? Memory that you shared, you and that spirit, right? Who was your aunt, whoever, right? That had something to do with the number five, right? Like fives were just always this weird synchronistic or coincidental kind of thing, right? That you guys had this that spirit in trying to communicate with you could throw the number five at you mm -hmm. in some really interesting ways, you know, realizing or believing that you're going to be like, they're going to get this. They're going to see that this is a sign here. They're going to be able to use this to realize that it's me talking to them. Mm -hmm. Right. So for sure with the numbers, but throw away all that bullshit about angel numbers because that's crap. Yeah. Well, and the thing that the problem that I, I find with angel numbers is it's never actually anything significant. It's always your angels are watching. Yeah, it's very generic. You're on the right say. path. You're empowered. And it's like, okay, well, 11, 11 is the number of the divine energy. Right? Um, I mean, I, I, maybe, maybe in some systems. And so 11, 11, 22, 33, 44, 55, like duplicating numbers like that. Mm -hmm. They were uh, in some, some systems that are referred to as avatar numbers. Mm -hmm. And so they speak to, to be honest, basically the same thing. So you take the number 11. Mm -hmm. Okay. The number 11 is in essence, really going to kind of speak to the same situation that the number one by itself would, but because of that uh, duplicate components right where we're looking at one one now in the number 11 that for some reason those numbers when they repeat they have similar associations or meanings but they happen on a more elevated or on a purely spiritual level okay. um okay so there's numbers where would you draw the line between mundane and magical well did we answer their other question about spirits guiding us and just just general or something like do that? spirit does spirit ever direct our attention in general and i'm gonna say Yes, yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Uh, there have been some times where I'll give you an example. Um, we were, it was a couple years back. We had a full moon going on at the shop. It was a Leo full moon. And I was really vibing with the Leo. So I was like, I'm going to go do this thing. I'm going to, I need to go get these candles. And so Mike came in, covered the shop so that I could get stuff ready. And I hopped in my cart with one of my, with one of my coven sisters. I was like, I need to go get candles. So we hopped in the car and I was like, I'm just going to drive across the street to the dollar store and and I'm just going to, you know, uh, I'm going to go get some dollar store candles. Well, as we pulled out. Just the cheap glass no beans, right? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. As I say, because we don't carry those in the shop. Yeah. No, like okay. just the glass okay. no Okay. Yeah. Thank you for clarifying that. Anyway, if I can't get it at the shop, I go somewhere else or have it ordered in. Anyway. Just I'm sorry, so, I'll, qu I'll quit being a distraction. It's okay, it's fine. So as as I'm driving, I start to go past the turn that I need to go at, and I just hear, not there. And so I just keep going. And my my coven sister uh, at the time was like, where are we going? And I was like, oh, I'm going to go to the Smiths all the way down this way. I'm going to go all the way down that way. She's like, but the other ones are there. I'm like, eh, something's telling me not to go there. Well, the building caught on fire. 
Oh, I remember this. And so when we came back, I get a call from Mike as I'm turning left onto 4700. I'm sitting there and I'm like, hello? Yeah, I'm like, are y'all over there in that grocery store? Like, are you okay? Uh, the store's on fire. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, oh, no. No, one of our spirits came through and told me to go somewhere else. And so I listened. So, uh, so yes, spirit can direct our attention to certain things. Um, uh, another way that I can also show an example of this is last year, this time last year, actually, I was in New Orleans. And um, when I was in New Orleans, we went on the St. Louis number one tour. Just last year? Yeah. God, why does that seem like it was two years ago? 2023 was a long year. Yeah. So we go on the St. Louis number one tour um, and I get led away from, from the group tour. And thankfully we had a really great tour guide who was just like, eh, witches do what witches do. And I'm drawn to this one stone and I just keep hearing, you're here, you're here, you're here. And so I look and I full blown past life memory that just like, and I had found my grave from a past life. So yes, most definitely spirit can direct us in, in certain ways. Um, you want to make sure that you have done work to cultivate that type of communication though. Otherwise, if you're like, I just really need to use nutmeg in this, this damnation spell, probably don't do that. Nutmeg's spicy. Nutmeg is used for luck and attraction yes it's yeah and i think if i remember it's things. sacred to jupiter so yeah you want to kind of yeah. do like yeah like yeah jupiterian things yeah. not known for cursing much jupiter no. yeah. jupiter is just like i want everyone to be happy and rich and fats yeah and, and jovial and jovial yeah that's that's why the the jupiter suite by holst is like boom, boom, boom. it's like boomy oh. yeah it's really cool. I always kind of look at Jupiter as being like the king of cups. Really? Yeah. I see more like king of pinnacles. Well, I, uh, so, so hear me out because king of cups is kind of like the partier. Okay. Um, also way back, Jupiter had really strong associations with water. That's one okay. of the reasons why Pisces used to actually be a uh, controller. Jupiter was, was Pisces' original okay. parent planet. So yeah, so it's just, it's, it's interesting. Okay, cool. I like that. So there we go. Um, where would you draw the line between mundane and magical? And do you think people who identify as muggles could still be utilizing the mechanisms of magic unintentionally? You need to, so when you draw the line between the mundane and the magical, um, what it needs to come down to is you need to make sure that there is not really a line. You're incorporating it and weaving it through everything. So that means that you're still taking your antipsychotics and also doing your Reiki. Well, I, I think it, um, I mean, to add to that, I think what I would probably say is that when we look at magic, I think your, your average spiritual practitioner, you know, whether they, you know, whatever they may identify as specifically, right? Your average spiritual practitioner, I think is going to have something close to a, a belief that magic is something comparable to say like influences like gravity mm -hmm. or light or heat you know it's like it's one of these ambient forces in our universe right one of these like you know, could call it like a well just that right um that it just exists and because of that everyone even people who have no magical training no spiritual kind of training or even there are able 
to connect with and to work magic. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Usually if they're doing it, it's kind of like an accidental kind of a thing. Yeah. Right. Um, like everything know, has just lined up. And... Exactly. Exactly. You know, um, and, you know, and it, and in the moment that it happens, you know, it can seem like, like, you know, like something miraculous, mm -hmm. right? Like, oh, wow. Like this, wow, shit. Like this couldn't have gone off better than it did. Right. Um, you know, and anyway, so, uh, but I think that because of getting back to the view that a lot of spiritual practitioners will have around how magic is just this other influence or force, because of that, there really isn't a distinction between the mundane and the magical. The ma magic as an energy force is always there. And I think if you are someone who's mindful about how you're living your life and you have been involved in some sort of spiritual practice for a time, you'll get to a moment where you realize that the things that you do in your day, sometimes the most mundane things can actually have really strong magical associations. Mm -hmm. If you, if you kind of look at them later on or, uh, you know, or that energy is able to kind of build in a particular way. Um, yeah. So I, I, I don't know that you need to, draw a line there necessarily unless it is again a situation that's creating imbalance in your life mm -hmm. you know if your belief in the magical is overruling your ability to connect with reality and deal with the mundane again kind of you know spiritual psychosis mm -hmm. spiritual bypass yeah these kinds of things right you know that that's where you're in, in tricky territory exactly um then they have a last question what are some spells or practices you would actually be happy to see go viral this year um critical thinking is there a spell for that? Because I need to be casting that shit on like all of my clients. Me too. I, I need that spell. Cast that spell on me, would you? I need more critical thinking. I'm not critical enough. I would like to see this year with some of the budding individuals, I would like to see the a decrease in fear and also an understanding that there are just some, some things I would love to see people stop thinking intention is everything. And I'd love to see people step out of the realm of using the same three goddamn herbs and stones for every fucking spell they do. I'd love to see people actually expand. But all spice is all spices. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so, you know, I would love <laughs> to see that. I would also love to see um, some people actually this is going to sound weird as a Hecatean devotee. Um, but I don't think it's weird because Hecate is all about like agency and power and like sovereignty. Word. Um, so I would like to see people stop putting so much emphasis and focus on deities. I would love to see a very clear delineation between polytheism, paganism, and witchcraft. I would love to see that because I can't tell you how many times I've had to say, I'm not a pagan, I'm a witch. Yeah, but you like worship gods. No, I venerate and I honor, but I do not bow on bended knee to anyone or anything. And I do not submit my life force or vital energy to anything other than what I deem it. And as a witch, that is a huge thing. Mm -hmm. Do I love and honor Hecate? Yes. Will I honor deep gods? Do I do that? Do I pray? Yes, but I'm not going to Hecate going, <laughs> Mommy, this person would mean to me. Will you help me? I don't do that. And I would love to see people to actually step into that agency and start to actually try out their craft without working with a deity. 
I, I would love to see that. I'd love to see more rise in secular witchcraft. I have some. Okay. Um, to tag on to kind of what you were saying, I want to see people talking more honestly and 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 actually doing the work, like actually walking the talk. I want to see people doing more about the interpersonal work. That, that yes. Because I, and I was having this conversation with Kat, who is the matron of our coven uh, just recently. And I was telling her that I'm, I'm seeing a lot of people, pe- people very close to me, some of them who are, you know, like I'm a witch and I'm powerful and I'm sovereign and I'm a witch and I'm a witch and I'm a witch. And then like within a breath, they're behaving in a way that tells me like, okay, you've obviously learned a whole lot about your correspondences and your alignments. You know, you know what phase of the moon to do this kind of spell on, you know, what kind of herbs to maybe incorporate into your work, you know how to cast a spell, but you haven't done the personal work. You haven't grown as a person into your spiritual practice, which is why you continue to make these dumb decisions and live a life with no critical thinking and no common sense. And why you can't accept responsibility and be accountable for the shit that you do, good or bad, right? You know, and so, I, you know, there's this part of me, you know, the other one that gets me, and this is going to make me sound like a dick, okay, but people who continue to be completely controlled by baser emotion, people who live every moment in a state of anger, people who cannot operate out of any level of trauma, outside of any level of trauma, people who cannot overcome grief and put that shit and that fear behind them. You know, and I'm not trying to say that we shouldn't feel our feelings because we absolutely should. And fear and grief and anger and all those other, those are all totally valid emotions, right? Um, And sometimes we need to bring those emotions into our magical work. We talked about that Mm -hmm. a couple episodes back, right? We're like, we need to feel our feels. And yes, it's perfectly acceptable and sometimes even better to bring your emotion into your spiritual work, into your spell work. But outside of that, you cannot be controlled by those things. You cannot be a slave to your fear and also be a powerful kick-ass witch. Those that- are completely opposite ends of the mm-hmm. spectrum. You know, you, you cannot operate, you cannot live like that and really be a witch. So I've kind of gotten to this point in, in my brain. And of course, I would never say this to anybody because it's a shitty thing to say. You're about to say it right? but. My, when I have that conversation with somebody like, well, I'm a witch and I claim my power and I'm a sovereign person, you know, and, you know, and then they behave in those ways that kind of betray all of that. There's a part of me that's like, until you can get good around these other things too, I have to stop thinking of you as a witch. You might be something, right? But until you can get better about this, until you can go to therapy, so you can make better decisions in your life outside of your magical practice, just in general, better decisions in your life. So you can get healthier in these ways. I can't consider you a witch anymore. You know, and that doesn't mean they need to be perfect because fuck nobody is. I'm not perfect, mm-hmm. right? But but I own my shits and I try to work on it, you know, and, you know, yeah, so I don't know. So that's one. Two, I'm a guy that likes to play with dolls and I would love to see more poppet magic being done. All we see is candle magic and fucking spell jars. People love candle magic and they love spell jars, but you know, but poppets are their, their classic. 
They've been around for hundreds of years, thousands. Right. Um, and they fucking work. And you can use puppets for anything, anything. anything. And I like, I don't know why I don't see more people utilize puppet magic. It's the craziest thing. Um, the only other thing I would like to see, and this would be something I think would be kind of fun to see trending on social media. Okay. Um, in the last few years, we've seen, and I'm very happy for this, but we've seen a lot more openness, a lot more discussion and openness, and a lot more presentation around practicing baneful magic. And I'm really happy about that because I think for many, many years, there was this very whitewash, like, oh, we don't do curses. Curses mm -hmm. are evil, but that's bullshit. Sometimes a curse is the most healing spell you can do, right? So, so there's a part of me that's like, I'm happy to see that. But at the same time, I see a lot of people, particularly social media witches, who we've talked about before, social media witches and real life witches, very different witches, okay? Um, but I see a lot of people on social media like, well, this person crossed me and I'm gonna hex them and curse them. And that's amazing, great. You're taking back your power. You're giving a little bit back to the person who perpetrated the crime, right? Wonderful, I love to see that. But what I'd like to see to kind of balance that a little bit, this is going to kind of take me back to the whole thing I was talking about a moment ago with like personal work and mm -hmm. personal growth is if somebody does something harmful to you and you're able to process that rather than flinging a curse at that person, do a healing spell for that person. Because depending on what they did, if they hurt you, hurt people, hurt people. Mm -hmm. And I'm not excusing the fact that they hurt you because they're garbage and an asshole for hurting you or doing whatever heinous thing they did to you. They were totally wrong, right? This is not about blaming a victim, right? And not about saying, well, you should forgive them. No, fuck that. You don't ever have to forgive them, right? And you don't ever have to allow them access to your life again. But if you're going to go to the extent of sending energy at a situation like that, rather than just satisfying your ego, which is usually what people are doing. around like, well, you hurt me. So now I'm going to hurt you too. Because long-term, what does that serve? That serves nothing. Yeah. That serves nothing. Right. So instead of doing that, why don't you do something like you hurt me? And I understand the reason that you hurt me is because you're fucked up because somebody at one point hurt you. And so rather than sending more trouble your way, which is just going to amplify your bullshit and make you an even nastier, more awful person. And because, probably make you hurt other because, people. Exactly. Because people who are like that, they don't learn. They mm -hmm. continue to be garbage asshole people. They just go on continuing to hurt people. So you're not doing anything by cursing them. You're just giving them more ammunition potentially to use in their, their work or, or the efforts they make toward others. Right. I, but I love you so much, but I can't have you in my lap right now. We're doing a thing. Okay. I know he's like, but I was on camera last week. Um, anyway or the week before last. Um, anyway, instead, I would love to see people like, like I'm I'm gonna do a spell for your healing, mm -hmm. you know? And I'm gonna do this because I, I firmly believe that had you not also been at one point a victim of, of hurt in this way, had not been taken advantage of or harmed in this way, that would not have put you in a position to do what you did to mm -hmm. me. Well, I talk right. about that in my Reiki class. I talk about how it's so important that even with your enemies, there is a level of compassion. You have to be able to understand that sometimes, yeah, this person did this thing and it really hurt you and it really fucked you up and it was really nasty and shady. But if you actually sit with that and remove your ego from that and sit and go, okay. Okay. Well, I also want to say like, just because I, I'm always like a, try to see both sides kind mm -hmm. of a person. Um, even if, you know, you're like, no, nah, I'm still really mad at this person. And I want them to suffer. 
but like long term, like you want them to ultimately choose to be a better person mm-hmm. and just not continue to do the bad thing that maybe they did to you. Do a spell of healing for them mm-hmm. because going through that process of healing, once that spell clicks in and that enacts some sort of something in their life that forces them now, like, oh shit, I gotta do this. I gotta be better. I gotta heal this, right? Healing sucks. Yeah. Healing is so shitty and yeah. miserable. So even if you wanted to still be that, like, nah, I need them to suffer a little bit, spell of healing is still gonna do that. Mm-hmm. That's why you never want to piss off someone who focuses around healing because oh, we will fucking get you because we know exactly how to get you. And long term, you'll be better than you were. But from here to there, oh, life is going to really true. suck for you. It's true. So anyway, thank you, Saltine. Oh, God. What else do I have? Okay. All the things. Okay. Hi, Austin and Mike. On my path, I've struggled. Is this a new one? Yes. Oh, okay. And then we have one more after this. Oh, well, I've got two. Perfect. We, then we'll have an episode. It'll be great. Cool. Hi, Austin and Mike. On my path, I've struggled to find something that speaks to me. I attempted to be a Wiccan, but I was leaving the LDS church and I wasn't very educated. I didn't even know I had to be initiated. I then transitioned to a more eclectic practice, basically doing spells, focusing on myself and my own power. No deity or ancestral work. I wondered if looking into my roots would be would benefit me into feeling more connected to my path. My struggle is that I have some Celtic and Slavic roots, but it is mainly Norse. Now, I know the issue of Norse paganism. As I'm an avid listener of the podcast, I know Norse paganism is rooted in white supremacy. Is it possible, in your opinion, to practice Norse traditions without inherently practicing white supremacy? I only have a single connection in the witchcraft community who practices traditional witchcraft. So I don't know anyone who has Norse background who practices if they implement their ancestry or traditions into their practices. Basically, would it be better to leave those traditions out of my practice? I'm going to say, because I actually think this person may have been a student of mine, um, modern day Norse paganism, very much. Remember, paganism and witchcraft are different. Um, And trying to find legit information on something along the lines of Nordic witchcraft is going to be pretty hard. What I'm going to suggest to you is, yes, learn your roots, go through that process, but also understand that just because you super duper white does not mean that you have to work with the super duper white pantheon and deities. You don't even need to use deities. Just if you're really wanting to just do witchcraft, then well, they mentioned deity work specifically because they kind of focused a lot on just like like the culture of association, yeah, particular types of pagan, yeah. And so you know, basically, it is up to you on whether you want to include those traditions in your practice. What I am going to say is if you want some really good sources on just normal go on some normal witchcraft stuff one of my favorite books is um traditional witchcraft according to book of by jimmy gary not norse whatsoever say it again a little bit slower traditional witchcraft a cornish book of ways by jimmy gary it's really really lovely um and for those those celtic or gaelic roots yeah those celtic or gaelic roots but also on top of that something that she focuses on in with in in that is just the operative magic it's the practice and it's getting getting in connection with the spirits of the land and it's learning how to work that power from there i'd say maybe go into either the crooked path um because then you're working with archetypes um like the witch father and the witch mother or the witch lord and the witch queen um and kind of let yourself focus around that or don't worry about incorporating any of those things at all i think that that kind of 
thought process is an interesting one. We're talking about this in the beginner, which course are we have mm -hmm. in the beginner, which course that we're doing right now at the shop. Um, that idea, that understanding of that belief, like, oh, I need to incorporate, or I need to try to fold cultures uh, for the origins of my ancestors into my witchcraft practice. That's not witchcraft. That's paganism. Um, you don't need to include any of that shit in witchcraft as a practice, because you, whatever you're doing in your witchcraft practice is entirely about you and your connection to your life, your world, your spirits, whatever you may choose, right? So, so there's nothing wrong with bringing those things into your witchcraft practice, but it's important to remember that th those are the roots of paganism, not witchcraft, and they are different things. Um, I do have a couple of quick references on this for Norse paganism specifically. We have another listener, Adisa, who, um, who actually lives in uh, this area of Europe, and um, sent us a couple of questions a, a couple of episodes back um and their information i think is is reliable for this perfect um, so they recommended for norse paganism um and again just to be clear we're not anti-norse pagan we're anti-white supremacy anti supremacy and if you can't tell the um, difference you're part of the problem and just to be clear white supremacy is an issue in every facet of the pagan it's true community. even the, the the hellenists have a oh, huge problem with white supremacy um which is so weird because a millennia or so ago, like none of the people that would have actually been like like the ancestors of Hellenistic practices, none of those people would have been considered white. It's very, very odd. Anyway, go capitalism, go Yay. patriarchy. Ooh. Okay, Nordic, uh, Nordic paganism. Okay, so some references. Okay, so Andrea Hilskov. I'm hoping I'm pronouncing this correctly. So Andrea, A-N-D-R-E-A, -E Andrea. Actually, I guess that could be Andrea. I'm not sure. I'm not familiar with these authors, but but uh, they come with with these are good recommendations. Okay, all right. Uh, Hailskov. So H E J L S K O V. Andrea Hailskov. Okay. Uh, next one is Gudrun. G U D R U N V. Just the letter V is in Victor. Last name is Gottved. So it's G-O-T-V-E-D. Gudrun V. Gottved. His name's fun. You might, um, there might be some umlauts in there. Oh, that's very true, actually. Yeah, because they didn't come through here. Umlauts are um, the little dots over his particular vowels. Last one is uh, Matthias Nordvig, and it's M-A-T-H-I-A-S. Last name is N-O-R-D-V-I-G, okay? And I understand these are all people that have um, some sort of social media presence. Um, and they are, um, these are kind of seen as, uh, particularly that last name, Matthias Nordvig, is um, one that I think is is probably from, the, from at least the comments I'm getting here from Adisa, uh, Matthias is probably gonna be a really good resource. And Matthias apparently lives here in the States. Um, which I think is nice because I think that you're going to get a very different perspective on Norse paganism from like an American mm -hmm. centered practitioner, say from someone who's actually like in the, like in Europe, right. They're going to be like, they're, they're going to have very different views and approaches, right. Yeah. Cause all that stuff is also influenced by like politics, I'm like modern culture and things like that. So, yeah. So anyway, but those should, should hopefully be good resources for you. Hi, hi buddy. Oh, he loves you so much. Hi. Look at his face. Hi, Midir. This is this is management. It's been been a while since we had management on the podcast. Uh, hello. I'm um, Well, I mean, that's not true. We had Toby on a couple weeks ago, but you couldn't really see Toby. 
He's so cute. Look at look at him. He's so vain. He was looking at himself on camera. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I'm cute. Yeah, you do good. I'm work. cute. Um, the last thing she uh th this listener asked was um how to connect further with ancestors. Part of that is doing ancestry and genealogy. Um I'm going to recommend the book Badass Ancestors. There are a few other good ancestral books out there, but understand that if you're doing ancestral work, um, it's going to be different in different cultures and different places. Generally, you can set up an altar. You don't need to have any particular ancestor in mind. Usually you'll have a white cloth, candle, water, maybe some sort of beverage, and um, you'll just work on calling those spirits in. Um, and that's, that's pretty much it. Are you getting in? Oh, turkey. Turkey, I was just giving you lettuce and now you attack me. Oh. Again, you papa, I love okay. it. Okay, we gotta leave down. Okay, we're still recording. So, okay. Right. I don't okay. like it. Nope, 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 we're good for now. Nope, we're gonna play later. Scout. Hey. All right, buddy. Hey, where's your toy? There we go, go get that. <laughs> okay. Um, oh, so, so cute, but so dumb. So that would be okay. a really, a really good resource. But remember, ancestral work is gonna be personal and it's gonna be different for everyone. And as long as you're specific, even me, yes, even you. Oh, okay. And as long as you're specific on calling forth ancestors that have your um, spiritual growth and betterment in in mind, and with within within that, then you should be good. And you could get ancestors that aren't even related to you in this life at all. I'm tangenting a bit here, but I just thought it was funny the way you said that because that like popped a thing into my brain, and it's been a long day, and so I'm like kind of fuzzy because I'm kind of all over the place. I'm not high. I promise I'm not high. Okay. Um, anyway, but we talk so much about ancestral work and the value of ancestors and calling them into our spiritual practice. And you just made this comment about how we want our ancestors to, to be there because we, you know, they want what's best for us. You know, they want us to be there. You know, they want us to have a good life. They want us to like make good decisions. They want us to be strong, to be smart. Right. And we want our ancestors to do this for us, to show up and to help us to kind of bring that strength and that wisdom. The challenge I have with that, and I'm going to take me back to something I was talking about a while ago is how are your ancestors going to show up and be a source of strength and wisdom when you can't do that for yourself? Exactly. By living your true authentic self, and stepping into your your own power and doing your personal healing work, it thus will do the same thing for your ancestors. Did you say thus? Yes. So good question. Verily. Okay. So I have a quick comment. I have noticed that many of the things that I have been reading on this spiritual journey of mine isn't spiritual at all, but does it does in fact have some type of scientific basis or is it rooted in some kind of science that can be proven? Herbology is not magic but more medicine that just has been forgotten. A lot of energy work that you do is nothing more than the science of metaphysics. Chakra work is Eastern medicine. Anyway, just a topic. Have you ever thought of doing a series uh, of episodes that connect magical practices with medical and scientific philosophies? Um, this is a good question. What I'm gonna say is any good witch is going to connect those things. Any good magical practitioner is gonna connect those things because Years and years and years and years and years ago, many, many years ago, the ability to create fire was witchcraft. If you were back in the 12th century and you whipped out a Bic lighter and lit that Bic on fire, witchcraft, not science. Um, 
So, so any witch needs to be aware of how that incorporates, which is where we also come to back to the other question about mundane and magical, where yes, a lot of the magical properties of herbs are going to mirror some of their medicinal properties. You know, if you're using aconite, for example, aconitum does have some very beneficial properties when it comes to anxiety. However, very minuscule doses because it will kill you. Um, so when working with herbs like that, you're going to see the crossover. Um, mugwort. Mugwort is known to assist in relaxation, dream recall, lucid dreaming. And on a spiritual level, it's used for psychic work, removing negative, uh, uh, negative blocked up stagnant energy. So we see that. And as witches, you do want to make sure that you're marrying science and magic together. Yes. So there you go. Okay. What questions you got? Let's see. I'm responding to someone now. While you're doing that, I'm going to go ahead and respond to all these people saying we've answered their questions. People don't want to record us. Our, 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 we'll sit and watch us respond to people on our cell phones. This is terrible. Uno, momento, por favor. Be right back. We're but back. I, sorry about that, y'all. I had to... Uh... Honestly, I don't know why I needed to do that just then. I have this weird thing. It's part of my, it's a component of my neurodivergency. That's that's what I'm going to say. Um, because I believe it's true. Um, but I have this thing where like, if somebody texts me, like they send me a message or I get some sort of communication, um, I have to kind of feel like I, I have to, I must immediately go in and respond. Otherwise you'll forget. Because if I don't, I'll get busy and I'll forget. And it's an ADHD. I, and I don't want to leave that person like on red, yeah. you know, or or not respond to them at all. You it's know, an ADHD and so, thing. yeah, I think it is. I think it is. Um, anyway, so so forgive me. Uh be patient with me as I uh continue to show you my humanness on our podcast. Um anyway, okay, so this que question goes back um a few weeks now, actually. Um it's from our from our friend Jack. Okay. Um, and there's actually a couple of questions here. So, all right. Hey guys, got a question or two. Question one, how does one go about inviting a spirit into oneself? Is this considered channeling or possession? Yes. Um, channeling is usually when you're relaying messages of some kind. So you're opening yourself up to relay messages. Um, and you are not, you, you are still in control during a channeling session. You are just the mouthpiece, essentially. Um, possession essentially puts you to the side and through the act of divine possession, you are controlled. So when we look at things in certain traditions, uh, especially African traditional religions um, like voodoo, um, we see divine possession being a huge part of their rituals and a huge part of their culture. And it's one to closer connect to the 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 loa, um, specifically in voodoo. Um, and it's also a way to anchor that spirit or that 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 loa's loa's energy into the ritual space. Um, same thing with like drawing down the moon. Um, when you draw down the moon in a traditional Wiccan ceremony, chances are the high priestess is not going to remember that. It was done effectively. What are your feels? Um, I, 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 mean, I, I wouldn't disagree with you. I think, um, so they want to go, they want to talk, the, the, this would again, just to kind of add, talk on what you said. I think that this, this situation, when we talk about a spirit kind of coming into us, this, to be honest, this could be something that could happen by either channeling or possession. I think the distinguishing 
detail there is that when you're channeling, depending on the spirit itself and your personal kind of the, the ways that your personal psychic or spiritual powers kind of manifest or work for you, channeling, you are still going to be, I think, um, much more in control mm-hmm. of what's going on in that moment and of yourself even though there could be a second consciousness communicating or working through you. Uh, possession is like that other spirit is, is definitely pulling the strings. Yeah. Um, You're the so, Yeah. You know, and that, and the, while that can sound a bit sinister, I also want to make it very clear that possession isn't always a negative thing. As Austin was just explaining, like being ridden by spirit, particularly given different spiritual traditions and beliefs, that's not a bad thing. So, um, so, but, but they asked for, he asked for us, how does one go about doing this? Um, so I'm that, that to be honest is a little trickier to answer because there are going to be different processes for different spirits. Um, what you'd probably need to do is you need to look at, you would need to do some research into, uh, more formal methods of, uh, invoking Mm -hmm. a spirit, calling a spirit into a place before you make any agreement for that spirit to actually enter your being, Right. Um, you would need to talk with that spirit. You would need to have some sort of contract, some sort of establish something in place. You would need to have, again, depending on the spirit, you would need to have some sort of safeguard in place to make sure that that, that spirit respected your, your, your being while it was in you, um, while it, uh, you know, and while it was, you know, and that it only maybe took possession of you for a certain agreed upon amount of time. Right. Um, because being ridden by spirit can have some really unfortunate side effects to the body, to the human that is left after the spirit goes away. Right. That that can be really hard on us. So you don't want a spirit to be in possession of you for overly long. Um you know, so you would need to do some sort of formal offering, uh, an invitation to, I think, first make an arrangement. Uh, also, that's important to talk to the spirit around something like that, because there are people out there that are like, well, I want to be possessed by or ridden by this spirit. And that spirit's going to be like, why the fuck would I want to take over your body? Humans are disgusting. Mm-hmm. You know, like, why would I want to do that? I don't want to, I don't want to feel your body. Why would I consciously choose to limit my power in that way? Why would I consciously choose to put myself in a situation where mm-hmm. I could where I could have to worry about things like physical pain and hunger. And like, why would I, you know, like a lot of spirits are like that. They're like, I don't, I don't want anything to do with humanity. Why the hell would you think I'd want to have this kind of experience? Right. Well, and on top of that, you're going to, there with a uh, divine possession like that, you're, there's always going to be some form of transfer stasis involved. Yeah. Like I've never seen someone become divinely possessed when they're not in trance. Well, that was going to kind of be my next point into looking at the ritualistic processes after an arrangement has been made and you've got a spirit that is agreeing like, okay, sure. Yeah, we can do this. Right. I'll do this, you know, just for a few minutes. Sure. Yeah. Right. Then you do, you need typically then facilitate or go through some other sort of process that would prepare you physically and mentally and spiritually. Uh, and spiritually. So that can involve processes of like cleansing yourself. Right. Again, and this is all going to vary on the spirit, right. Cleansing. Um, eating certain things, not eating at all, fasting, um, drinking certain things, marking your body in particular ways, um, arranging a physical ritual space around your body that is going to be specific to the spirit, right? And then from there, yes, doing some sort of work that allows you to facilitate an altered state of consciousness, which I keep saying facilitate, I don't know why I keep going to that word, that gives you the ability to act as an altered state of consciousness within yourself. Because you need to, yes, you need to be able to achieve an altered state of consciousness to be able to open kind of 
up in the way that, that you need to for that spirit to then enter. Right. Um, a lot of people think that possession is kind of like, oh, I just sit here and do my thing and the spirit just comes a knock and mm -mm -mm. no, we have to kind of meet them halfway. Um, you know, we have to kind of, we have to roll out that red carpet, you know, we have to ask them who they're wearing. Right. And then, you know, yeah, whatever. Anyway. So it's a very, it's a very like, uh, like Hollywood dollar kind of an experience. And depending on the spirit. Yeah, there you go, right? Some spirits don't need all that shit. They're just like, meh, let's just do this, mm -hmm. right? Um, and I like those spirits because I'm not a lot of fuss and pomp and circumstance kind of practitioner. Um, I know you love a lot of pomp and circumstance. You and Roxy. I do love the ceremony. Um, okay, Roxy's all up on here on camera now with her purple hair. Hi. Okay. Sorry, back to 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 work. Um, okay, two, and this is a big question. Do and I got to read this slow, slowly because I just read this a moment ago, and I was like, and my, I think my my head exploded a little. Due to the nature of our species having evolved from an animal, does that energy resemble that of a nature spirit? Okay, I want to break this down a little bit. Okay, so I just so I, I think I think I'm as I'm understanding this, does the more animalistic presence of say like primitive man, would that be something that would be comparable to a nature spirit? I'm gonna say no. I'm gonna agree. Um, nature spirits are very they're a very different form of life. Um, so where we could see that spirit of say like primitive human humanity. Uh, that more animalistic state, right? Um, where we would see that being something that would be comparable to the animistic spirit of other, even just current modern day animals, that would that would really be the parallel there. Like you're not really going to see a humanistic, a primitive, animalistic, humanistic, but human, but animalistic spirit um, kind of registering anywhere near what we would see within the realm of like an elemental spirit. Yeah. Um, I think probably one of the big reasons for that primarily is that when we were were brand new, elemental spirits had already been around for millennia. Yeah, those spirits are so much older than us. A lot of them, anyway, because they they also continue to be be born. There are new spirits all the time. Yeah, yeah, I have in my face right now. Sorry. Okay. All right. Okay. Hey. Conscious thoughts. You need to go potty. No. Go outside. Maybe. I love the sideways head tilt. You're so cute. Do you want? Uh, okay. Um, so next part of this one. Okay. So does that energy, oh, wait, I'm sorry. By extension in regards to fey spirits. Nope. Stop. Can someone like a child, a human child, display tendencies similar or if not identical to fey spirits? Um, I think that because of the common behaviors that we associate with fey beings, you know, that chaotic, playful kind of vibe, which is just one aspect of them. Like, I think that we tend to kind of cast spirits like in this very one dimensional kind of light. Mm -hmm. A lot of times, fey have a whole lot of other shit going on. Well, also on top of that, depending um, on what type of fey. Very, very, true. You know? very true. There are, there are fey out there that are not playful at all. Mm -hmm. Well, you also have uh, you like the, the Fata in Italian folklore where we're like, yeah, no, come on, hang out. We're good. 
Well, and they're just as chaotic, I think, as, as the fae that you find in any other area of the world, but we don't fear them. Yeah. Like there's a part of us that kind of, we have faith that like, okay, you're going to be chaotic and you can be playful and even destructive, but, but you're not going to do that to me because we're family. Mm. Right. It's kind of the idea. Or if you do, it'll be, you know, easy, right. Yeah. It's not going to be, you're not going to ruin my life. Right. So, um, so I think that when we're looking at strictly behavior, yes, humanity certainly has the ability to, I think, be chaotic, right. Oh God, look at us. Right. Chaotic playful trickster like we can we can absolutely accommodate these or, or be these things um and i think certainly children right children i think do this kind of thing very easily because depending on their age and their life experience right they don't have the mental development the full mental development and the understanding of the consequences a lot of the time to the actions that they make right um the, the, the decisions that they make right so they're going to behave in ways without a full understanding of like oh this could be what happens if i do this Right. So for sure, I think chaotic in nature, definitely. Um, so if the Fae are also partly regarded as nature spirits, um, and they are, but they aren't, how would you classify the Fae as being spirits that are closely aligned to the natural world, but not in the same category as something, say, like elementals? How would you distinguish that? Because while they're there is a lot of similarity. Um, they are still distinct life forms. They are, they are still different types of beings. I think they're related how we would see that we are related to Father. Does that make sense? So like the elementals are like the base component for said particular type of Father. Okay. Oof, that's a that's Jack. A, you're getting too deep. Now. That's a very thinky question. And when I say thinky, I mean, ugh, can I have an aneurysm? Don't. Um, okay, no, 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 no. But I, I think they are different. So, okay, so getting back to your question, so okay, um, they are also partly regarded as nature spirits. Um, while not dismissing legitimate mental health concerns, would the term "fae spirited" in reference to unruly children? be appropriate yeah I, I don't see any reason why that wouldn't be an appropriate term because they're behaving in ways that we would commonly associate with the fae um i think that you would need to be particularly careful around something like that depending on culture and superstition because a lot of times referring to children like something like that was uh akin to like maybe making the reference to someone that would be considered a changeling mm -hmm. You know, um, and that was a very bad thing. Like if you were a child, depending on the area of the world and the era that you grew up in, uh, to be considered a changeling, like people would kill you. Like, I mean, the children, they would kill your kid, mm -hmm. right? If they thought your child was Fayborn or was like a shapeshifter or some sort of other spirit in disguise as a human child, right? That was, that was, that was a bad thing. So, um, so I think in modern context, just saying, oh, that kid is so unruly and out of control. He's so chaotic. He's like a little Fay. He's a Fay spirited little, little, little scamp, right? Whatever. I, I don't see any problem with that. I don't see any problem with that, but I will say that there are, there are people this day and age who will use that term to dismiss things like autism. Oh, you're talking about the star seeds. Yeah, they'll they'll use okay. it as like, and and that's problematic. Most children, so sorry. Ah. Dude, how dare you? Most children are going to be more, a, a little wild and a little unruly. And that is akin to that. And I think that's because they're kind of tapped into that very primal energy 
since they're so close to they're they're already so close to spirit i mean if you think about it when a kid is born that is the closest they will ever be to the other side until they die make sense so so there you go do we answer questions i'm with you we got jack's questions so now we have questions from another person okay and i already did respond to this person directly because their question came through and i was like they need an answer like right now because i know sometimes like we get going and we it'll be weeks sometimes before we're able to get a question or answered so all right so question uh brief intro about them they identify as a folk witch. They live in the UK. They've been practicing for quite a few years now. They were listening to one of our latest podcast episodes and it prompted them to send this question in just to help them understand what's currently going on with them. As a child, they were able to see and talk to spirits up to the point that they would actually have full-blown conversations with uh, with deceased family. Um, after some careful questioning from their mother, she, their mother was able to figure out that she was actually talking to ancestors and members of the family that this child, when she was a child, had never even met these people. Mm-hmm. Um, but, okay. Um, so she was getting confirmation from her mother, which is always kind of nice because a lot of kids who have these kinds of abilities have parents and grew up in families where they bring these things forward and they're like, oh, that's evil, that's bad, you're crazy, we don't ever do that. Evil, 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 bad, bad child, bad child, bad child, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, And it really can traumatize these kids because just because you tell them that they're, they've done something bad, first of all, no child wants to hear that they've done something bad, right? That's a, that's a fucked up thing to do, particularly when they haven't done anything bad, right? There's nothing bad about looking at, seeing and talking to spirits. There's nothing bad about that. Uh, nothing wrong with that. Yeah, but it's tricky, a situation like that, because then these kids hear that. And they see the fear coming up in the parent, the adult person who's telling them that they've done something wrong, mm-hmm. right? And I think people think that just because they have that conversation with a child and they say, this is a bad thing, we don't do this, right? This is scary, this is evil, we don't do this, right? You you don't do this, this is just imaginary, whatever that conversation looks like. Just because you have that conversation with them and you tell them to stop, doesn't mean that the ability goes away. They it's continue true. to have they these experiences until they get to a point where they can repress it. Right? Or have and, a psychotic break. Exactly. And what kind of fucked up problem are you creating for these kids, right? I mean, oh my God. You know, like, I mean, that's that's crazy if you think about that, right? Like, you, you're seeing spirits in any other situation, taking children out of the equation. Like, if this were an adult person, right? You're seeing spirits. You're talking to other rational adult people about like i'm seeing spirits i'm seeing dead people and i'm having these kinds of interactions which kind of which kind of leads me to believe that this is a real thing mm-hmm. you know you know and you know and you know this person and you know that they don't have any serious mental health issues right there could be there's no other justification for what could be going on right other than that this person is is clearly you know developing or has has expressed some sort of psychic power right or psychic you know but everyone around that person like i'm seeing dead people you know, and everybody's like, oh, well, that's evil. That's wrong. That's scary. You're bad. Right. That, 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 even if that person is having a legitimate supernatural experience sooner or later, they're going to think like, I'm just crazy. I'm just crazy. There's just something wrong with me because everybody I talk to about this tells me like, I'm crazy and this isn't real. Right. And so I, so we set people up, I think, to fail sometimes when they have these abilities, particularly children, because they're still, they're so, you know, they're, 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 they're not, they're not done cooking yet. Right. They're still so open and susceptible to our, our feedback. Right. We need to be more careful with our kids. Be more careful with your kids, y'all. Yeah. Right. Unless you're like witches like us, because we eat children. Children are tasty and delicious. But we are also very careful with them prior because you don't want to bruise the meat. It's true. All right. Let's see. Um, 
Oh, we had to take another break. Management had to go out and potty. It's true. Um, okay, so I'm going to try to get through this quickly because now we need to let them back in from the potty. Potty time. Okay, uh, talk to spirits, blah, blah, blah. Mother confirmed this for them. Okay, they say, as I got older, uh, they began to see spirits with their eyes less and less physical eyes. Like, they mm-hmm. actually visually would see spirits. Between the ages of 17 and 29, they had no experiences at all, which is common. Actually, that kind of happens because we're so focused on other things. Yeah. Um, you know, in our lives, like we kind of drift away from the spiritual a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Uh, but over the years, they've been noticing some strange things happening again. So it all started when their Oma died. Um, they knew that she was dead hours before their mother called them to tell them she had died. Mm-hmm. Um, but while she was getting ready for work in the morning, uh, she said that she had smelled her, her Oma's perfume and it popped into her head and she uh, popped her and her oma popped came to her popped into her head just a thought of her right and she had this sense come through her that of peace like she just felt this sense of peace mm-hmm. and associated this with with her oma okay um since then they've been seeing things out of the corner of their eyes uh or randomly getting images of people slash weird shadow like creatures popping into their head um and it's just for a split second and then they go um happened to them just the morning that they sent this uh, they were working away on their computer and they got a flash of an image of a child. The child was dressed based on clothing and not a child of this century. So okay. a spirit that's been around for a while. Next to them, child was looking curiously at what they were doing. And with that vision in their head, it just sort of felt like they just kind of got this sense that there was someone beside them. This child was standing beside them. It's not the first time this child has come into my head whenever they're at home. Um, it sounds to me like you've got like a haunting situation happening. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be good to probably figure out if this was an intelligent haunting or maybe just like a an echo. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, on occasion at home, they've also heard a male voice from the other other room give a command to their dog, and they are there and they're the only person at home. That would probably scare the shit out of me. Um, at least the first couple times that happened. Anyway, I'd probably be like, "Get the fuck out of my house!" I'd be looking for my my gun, <laughs> which I always keep like right here. I'm gangsta. No. Um, anyway. Uh, and the dog listened to the command, apparently. So the spirit was like, also, like, not only did it say something, but the dog did it. Okay. Um, so they say they know they have some clairvoyance, um, but it can get a little confusing discerning what is possibly their imagination or an actual psychic event. Is there any advice that we can offer? Uh, to, to help them distinguish if it is a psychic a situation or a psychic ability, or if this is just something maybe that they're imagining. Um, they say they understand that there's a difference between psychics and mediums, but they are struggling to kind of figure out what is going on with them and their personal psychic ability. Uh, so thank you so much for the question. Okay, um, so do you want to, do you have anything you want to add? I'm going to say that oh, it sounds... Finish like, yawning and then say. I'm going to say that they they sound like they have mediumistic abilities. Um they're probably within the realm of like a um obviously they're a psychic medium but like um a mental emotional medium um not necessarily physical since you didn't share that you were having physical reactions um what i would say is take some time um and notate and um notate when these things happen and you know check time stuff like that because sometimes that'll give you an idea of like oh this is this thing check in with yourself were you in a heightened state of emotional of emotion or anxiety it's always going to come back to being mindful because a lot of people have a hard time discerning anxiety and intuition um just like sometimes um even as a medium and i've been doing it for I, i've been a medium my entire life 
you know, there are some times where something will pop in my head and I'll be like, that's fucking weird. Chances are the really, really, really weird shit that's also really real is not like an imagination. So uh, giving an example, um, the other day we had a couple of people in the shop and they did and they, they wanted to do an aura photography session. One of them uh, wanted to do a pre-Reiki aura and then a post-Reiki aura photo. I was like, okay, cool, great, no problem. So we did that. And as they left, I was like trying to find my phone because my 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 Apple watch was blowing up because <laughs> th there were some conversations happening. I was like, what's going on? And I couldn't find my phone. And so everyone is helping me try and find my phone. I have, you know, a coven sister helping me find my phone, her husband, uh, George, the reader is like doing some folk magic tricks with like a spoon and like just all this other stuff. And we can't find it. And so I take a minute and I just get this image in my mind of my phone in a purse under a wallet. And I was like, that's weird. So I check my bag. It's not in my bag. And I go, one of the clients actually like thought that was their phone, put it in their bag and put it under their wallet. And I was like, that's really too fucking real and odd for me to ignore that. 10 minutes later, this customer comes back and is like, I'm so sorry. I accidentally took your phone. It looks just like mine. And it was un in my bag under my wallet. Really just strange stuff like that. Um, usually if it's imagination, you want to, I'm going to say it's probably going to be a little bit more fantastical, but that does not mean that something that's more fantastical could not also be something in the realm of spirit. So it's, it's really hard. You have to kind of leave that up to your own personal um, desertion. Discretion. Discretion. And, discretion and allowing yourself to learn how to discern um, those things. And um, one of the things I had to do when I was in high school, when everything was just amped up all the way, was I had to hand books or objects to spirits I was seeing to see if they could hold it. And if they couldn't hold it, they weren't real, you know? So, so that's what I got on that. Okay. So, so desertion is not a word. I think that discretion or dissertation or desertion. I had to Google that because I was like, is desertion a word? I'm not making fun of you. I was just like, seriously, in my discernment brain. is what I meant to and, say. Okay. I meant to say discernment. I was like, is desertion a word? It's is been a long day. Okay, so so, so how did how, how did we so, have okay, this so basically so my response to to this this salting was um when determining what is real from imaginary we have to usually listen to more to signs of from our physical body okay um and emotional triggers mm -hmm. that we experience okay um logic and analysis and this is one of the things I think people run into because we have experiences like legitimate spiritual experiences and then the first thing we want to do is kind of analyze and logic them um you know and there's nothing wrong with that we need analysis and logic but in the moment that we we have the experience logic and analysis in that moment are usually going to trip us up mm -hmm. or create more problem so again you want to save the logic and the analysis for it later after you've had a chance to kind of adjust emotionally to what just occurred. Okay. So save those, those logic and analysis responses for maybe like a few minutes after until you've had a chance to kind of collect yourself. Yeah. Or maybe even like you a know. day later. Yeah, exactly. And again, another benefit to documenting your experience, right. Yes. So that you can go back and look at it later. Okay. Um, but 
So you want to pay more attention to your physical body associations, I think, because our body also has a language, particularly when we come into connections with things that we're not familiar with. And when I talk about body responses and emotional responses, I'm not just talking about fear. Um, a lot of people will have uh, an experience that is supernatural in nature and they will immediately go to a place of fear. And that's a normal response. We're, nor we're, we're normally going to be afraid of something that we don't understand you know we think we're home alone at night and we hear a man's voice come from another room we're gonna be afraid right um the, so that's a normal thing that the, the issue with that is that once we realize that we're not really in danger we need to like move past the fear and then pay attention to other things that maybe have come through other emotions other uh physical signs of communication that can originate within the body okay um and it takes a little bit of mindful practice, I think, yeah. to be able to get to that point. But, but we all have to do that. Have to yeah. Do that. Particularly if you want to work as a medium. Yeah. Seeing how your body um, feels before, during, and after yeah. is a really big thing. Um, but yeah. But so those are the places I usually tell people to start. Um, beyond that, you know, and I guess this is going to kind of be, this is always a tricky conversation to have. But this is another one that I had lately with, with the beginner, which course students is when we look at the way that we need to identify supernatural kinds of phenomena and experiences that we have, when we look at identifying those and then making a distinguishing or distinguishing, distinguishing them from um, things that might maybe be imaginary, right. Or like things we're imagining um, in a lot of spiritual traditions, you don't distinguish those things. Um, a lot of spiritual traditions would have us or would say that, um, our imagination is another component of the way that we communicate with the supernatural. Mm -hmm. um, your imagination, the things you visualize, the experiences that you have that might seem a bit more within the realm of the abstract, but might seem supernatural in nature. Okay? And this is in no way to say that every experience that we have that seems supernatural in origin is. Because sometimes weird shit just goes down and there are perfectly normal reasons for explaining it, right? Mm -hmm. Right? Science, right? Um, anyway, but... Um, but as far as your process and connecting with with your gifts and your abilities, um, worrying a whole lot about like, did I imagine this? Or was this like an actual supernatural thing? The bottom line is that it's something that you experienced, right? Um, you know, and if it's something real and something that is not rooted purely in your imagination, it'll happen again. Yeah. Uh, because you're not the only driving influence in that situation, right? There's another spirit. There's another active energy working to create those moments. Okay, so so don't be too worried about that. I guess you know, as long as you're not running into again an issue with any kind of like mental health issue or bring us right back around to spiritual psychosis again. Um, no, um, there are a number of ways to develop your psychic ability. Um, one of the ways that we often kind of recommend, like if you're brand new. You know, you're like, I don't really know what this is. I don't know how it works. I don't know what I want it to be for me, you know, but I need to figure some things out, which means I need to, I do need to work with it for a little bit. Um, we usually tell people to pick up a copy of the book Psychic Witch by Matt Aron. Mm -hmm. um, and it's M-A-T, Matt, only one T, and R-N-A-U-R-Y-N. Okay, uh, it's been out for a few years. You can find copies of it pretty much anywhere where like spiritual books are sold. You know, and it's psychic witch. You know, people always pick that book up in the shop and they go, oh, well, I don't know if I want to study witchcraft. And while it does include some elements of witchcraft um, around things like philosophy and belief, um, the majority of the practices in the book are really rooted primarily in just developing psychic ability. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, so that was that one's always a good reference. 
yeah um are a good good place to start well it's also it's also rooted in the idea that all witches are psychics but yeah. not all psychics are witches very true yes in fact the majority of the psychics we know are not witches um they're sandwiches mm, sandwich would that be like an avatar like last airbender thing like if you were an earthbender but you lived in the desert and so you'd, you'd be a sand, sand you'd be a oh you wouldn't be a sandwich no, you'd be a sandbender. Can I call myself a sandwich? Sure. Okay. Why not? You got like death witches, gray witches, chaos witches. Can I be a sandwich? You can be whatever you want. Would you eat me? Would depend on what kind of sandwich I was, wasn't it? It's true. Okay. Are you peanut butter and jelly? Let's 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 table that discussion for now. Okay. Okay. Um, all right. Uh, that's pretty much it, actually. Cool. Um, beyond that, other resources, other other places to learn. Um, I'm gonna say, you know, um, hopefully you have some place like this, but I would actually recommend that you maybe do a little bit of digging and kind of connect to some of the local metaphysical shops in your area. Um, you know, I do this very carefully because there are a lot of people out there that will lie to you and promise you things and convince you that they are something that they are not. Yes. Um, but um, but to to do some research and see if you can actually network or connect with a few other people. Um in in a way that gives you the ability to maybe find like a teacher or at the very least someone who maybe has had similar experiences like us right you can contact like just like this you contact with us right yeah and we're happy to talk to you but um but i think that it, there is something beneficial to having somebody kind of like nearby you know uh potentially somebody that you can actually like maybe practice with or I, I don't know. I don't know. That That's, I think, the value of community when it comes up in spiritual work. Community can be a really important thing can be a very helpful thing. But you got to be really careful yeah. about who you consider. People. It can be really helpful, but can also be really harmful. Um, yeah. So make sure you vet those people very carefully mm -hmm. um, and make sure they're giving you something that could actually confirm that they are and, and can do what they claim they can do. Okay. Uh, yeah. Be, be, be suspicious of the people you learn from. Um, Except for us, because we are we are perfect. We would never lie to you. We just waste your time with foolishness on this, whatever the hell this is that we call a podcast. Um, I'm done. I don't have anything else to talk about. I'm done too. That was actually, uh, thank you for all the questions. We really appreciate it. Um, again, send them in. Sorry, it takes a minute sometimes. Um, we're trying to diversify a little bit, have some more guests on and stuff. So it might take a minute for us to get to your questions and um, we, we we will get to them though. Okay. Speaking of Taylor, we should have Taylor on the, on the podcast again. Maybe that would be a fun thing to do in the next couple of weeks. Cool. I'll figure that out. Sweet. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, and have a good day or night or whenever you're listening to this or watching it. Happy witching. <laughs>